0: Yeah, yeah, is This is Building bridges. Come on me,
1: come on on You're good to go. Welcome to Building Bridges. I'm Sebi. And I'm
0: Dave. And we don't have you on again this week.
1: Yeah, Jan is very busy preparing some Eurovision-related stuff, uh, but he'll hopefully be with us next week again uh, at some point, or otherwise he's just becoming our most frequent guest at this podcast.
0: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I keep telling him he I want his life because he's always traveling. Last week it was for, for – well, I guess this week it's for pleasure as well. Yeah. But like you said, at least this week he's doing something Eurovision-related, and hopefully he'll have uh, – a nice update to give us next week, although uh, you're a little bit of a traveler too, so we're going to talk yep. about that in a few minutes. Yes. But uh, do you want to start off with the news?
1: Yes, can we please make it speed news again and not 10-minute news? This yes, time? well
0: luckily it's summer so that's easy to do. So okay. you let me know when you're ready and we'll, uh, we'll do a countdown.
1: Yes, so everyone watch the time and your time starts right now.
0: Well, of course, the biggest news is Malmö will host the 68th Eurovision Song Contest this May in Sweden. Uh, More on that later, but uh, in related news, Netta is now 0 for 5 in her host city predictions after incorrectly declaring Jerusalem, Amsterdam, Rome, Manchester, and Stockholm the cities. Um, I guess it's not really news, it's just fun, and I really hope she gets it wrong again next year. Uh, In Italy, changes to Sanremo, which will happen from the 6th to the 10th of February. This year, we're down two songs to twenty-six, but there will be a new radio jury, and the viewers will get 100% televote in the final to choose the top five that will move on to the finalissima. More information is coming out of Cyprus. Fame Story, the new uh, academia, I guess, or academy-type show, is going to pick Cyprus' representative for Malmö. Um, they're getting that plan and the show could even kick off in September. So we'll get you some more info on that when it comes. In Luxembourg, they will live stream the, the national final in three languages this January and viewers around the world will be able to log in and uh, watch the show. Also, the public will have a say in the vote. The Luxembourgish public, that is. So we'll uh, have to wait and see what that means. It's very vague language at this point. And in the Netherlands, Avrotros has a new head of delegation for the Netherlands, and also he's going to be the head of the 2024 selection committee for the Dutch. I'm totally going to butcher his name. It's Twan van de Neuvenhuizen. I really apologize to anybody listening in the Netherlands or, uh, or Flanders. Um, the he's been the head of contest for all of Eurovision since 2021, since so it was in Rotterdam. So the guy really knows his stuff. He's really, really educated. And really quickly, the biennial Eurovision Young Musicians is back next year. It'll be in Norway in Bodø. It's their second time hosting the contest. How are we doing, Sebi? That was pretty on time. That was two minutes exactly. I know. I'm I'm born Canadian, but I think I have a little German in me because I have this OCD streak that uh, just comes out from time, to time. Oh, I'm
1: aware of this whenever we plan anything podcast related <laughs> or otherwise <laughs> well yeah, yeah as you mentioned um Luxembourg uh we had the interview with Anne-Marie David of course a couple of weeks ago and I said in the interview that maybe we should come visit her because she was uh giving a concert at Luxembourg pride and yeah everyone was like "Ha ha!" yes and of course I went there and actually met her Again. Yeah, I
0: still I still think this is really bizarre, but keep going.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I made a whole trip around it. And uh, I also saw some other cities in Belgium and in Germany. But yeah, I mainly came there for Luxembourg Pride because I promised it to Anne-Marie. <laughs> and it was a great experience. I arrived in Luxembourg uh, only to then uh, realize that it was actually in Esch-sur-Alzette and not in Luxembourg City. <laughs> but luckily it's not the biggest country in the world. So I took a train for like 10 minutes and (laughs) public transport is free. So please Luxembourg win Eurovision and let us all go there next year so we can all enjoy the free public transports. The trains are so nice and they're free. It's impressive. It's a dream. But yeah, I arrived there and this is actually the same city where the national final is going to take place. But yeah, the Rock Hall is pretty far away. I googled it. uh, It was like the Pride concert was in front of the City Hall. And it would have been like a 45-minute walk to get to the Rock Hall. So unfortunately, I couldn't check that out. (laughs) But yeah, the beginning was very, very empty. Like I arrived at like maybe noon or like 11.30. And there were like no people. There were like maybe 10 people. There were like stands with, you know, food and drinks. And then there were performers on stage but nobody was watching them there were like maybe less than 20 people when i got there watching the performance which i felt really bad for (laughs) you know like they came from france most of them were french and like they were hired to go to luxembourg pride only to perform for like did they not advertise it well i think it's just you know The country is very small and it's in a smaller city. You could see like there were locals there and they were just there because, you know, something was happening in their city. They were they didn't care about Eurovision or Pride or anything. But yeah, I also arrived on the last day because on Saturday there was actually the parade and all that. And I think there was a lot going on, but then Sunday was less going on at the beginning. But uh, it was hosted by a very... Charming drag queen, actually. I'm usually not the one who watches, you know, RuPaul's drag race and all that uh, stuff, but yeah, she was really good. And she was, you know, hosting in three languages or even four, if you count English as well. And yeah, very great. And there were so many Eurovision references. You can really tell that they're so happy and excited to be back in Eurovision. And yeah, that was Anne Marie. Anne Marie, well. Someone else was there before her, Uh, a certain Remo Fora was announced uh, when it was already a bit later, like I would say like 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And that's when it began to feel like an actual concert. You know, that's when people came suddenly from everywhere and, you know, like started to get into the crowd. And of course, it was nice weather until then. And then it started just to shower on us, on the audience, But uh, Remo was really good. Uh, I mean, of course, we heard him in Eurovision. He's an excellent vocalist. And uh, he also performed some new songs and some Ed Sheeran songs. And yeah, Anne-Marie was up right after him. Um, Yeah, she was uh, brought into through the tent with an umbrella. Like, there were, like, two or three people, you know, uh, guarding her so that not a drop of water would hit her. And... (laughs) She was amazing. Anne-Marie is such a charming performer. She engages with the audience so much. I mean, she told us about that, that she does that in the in our interview, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't you don't know it until you've actually seen her perform live. Like she it's like she's looking at you all the time. And yeah, she performed like eight Eurovision songs, I think. And you can actually check them out on our Instagram. We made a reel about that, about all her Eurovision songs that she performed and yeah it was amazing and actually today she posted on her facebook that uh she um has a souvenir from luxembourg thanks to sebastian uh because i sent her a little clip of her performance and she shared that on her facebook profile so yes
0: very- should i be worried about your relationship with amari david it's it's getting very serious <laughs> we're hitting the next level yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) and yeah then someone else was performing and i felt really bad again because it felt like you know in eurovision the interval act who like nobody really pays attention to and we finished with kate ryan of course and
0: love her yes uh, she
1: started with voyage voyage and the audience was going crazy this was actually when it became kind of crowded you know we started with like eight people during <laughs> noon and then like at 6 p.m or so we were like crowded together and then she of course performed from and like are you re- do you love eurovision and they were just screaming yes and i was shocked about it because i thought she didn't have such great memories about her eurovision experience mm maybe she's over it it's been a while <laughs> and actually there was a transition between jetador and ella ella which was just epic you know and i think you would have loved it it was all the 90s pop songs basically like um this is the rhythm of the night and so many more and- oh wow
0: yes yeah, the shit i grew up with yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so that was amazing and overall i can just tell how excited luxembourg is to be back and there was also this tree of very young uh, singers who were really good, actually. I think they have a lot of potential. What I didn't like about them was that they were accompanied by two drag queens who were just making a choreo, which didn't fit to their songs at all. And, <laughs> you know, there was one on the left and one on the right. And the one on the left was great. She knew all the steps, you know, she knew the choreo well. And then the one on the right didn't know anything. And she was just looking at the other one and like... You know how drag queens always have these weird stage names i think her stage name would just be visible confusion or something
0: oh that's not good
1: visible confusion if you hear this maybe don't sign up for the national final in luxembourg but yeah that was my luxembourg experience in a nutshell uh it was really nice and of course anne-marie was the big highlight but also huge shout out to everyone who was there and remo and kate were also really great
0: and definitely promising news for those of us that will be watching uh, and following Luxembourg's national final in the new year. Yes. Which brings us to Malmö, of course, which Malmö. I think we need to spend some time discussing.
1: Yeah, you said uh, M. I Netter in one of our last episodes because you actually predicted Gothenburg. So how do you feel about Malmö being chosen?
0: I'm I'm not happy. Um Overall, because I mean, I I I didn't hide the fact that I wanted to go to Stockholm. I have, I have friends there to visit, and it's just a bigger city. It's a prettier city. There's more things to do. Um, but I do understand SVT and the EBU's decision. I mean, uh, Öviken no sh- is just too small. Uh, nothing against the city. Would have I'm I'm sure uh, in a non-Eurovision context, it would be fun to visit. Uh, Gothenburg, I just thought just you know they they said you know they had the roof figured out. Uh, they, the oh, roof was too old they or couldn't support it.
1: Old and too small as well.
0: And yeah but and and the city council was really on board and I know that's another important piece because you really want your local government to mm-hmm. have the backs and you know have the financial uh, piece there if if needed. So I thought maybe, you know, just in, in fairness, yeah, maybe, you know, Gothenburg hasn't had it since 1985. Maybe they'll give them a chance. Yeah. But um, Malmo made the most sense. I mean, you've got Copenhagen Airport right there, uh, a major hub. Uh, I've, I've heard Malmo Arena is like the best place to, to produce a show of this caliber. Uh, it ticks all the boxes. Stockholm was going to build a temporary arena and of course you know you've got less than a year to do that so many things can go wrong and come up so they they had to pick malmo
1: i think stockholm like knew that they couldn't get it and desperately tried to find a solution to still get it with you know attempting to build a new arena and everything yeah i'm i'm not a big malmo fan and everyone who knows this podcast knows that i love sweden but like i think malmo is probably their least attractive city (laughs) um but Copenhagen is beautiful and it's right there so that's
0: good um it's it's so funny like ever I've already booked my flights even though I have no accreditation and no no tickets or anything obviously but I keep uh finding myself when I'm bored looking up um on YouTube video like tourism and 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 what to do in Copenhagen and I'm only there a couple of days before uh of course the the Eurovision week kicks off in, in Malmö and I don't know, like I, I feel like I could get around Copenhagen now. I don't need a map. I know where everything is. I know what to look for. I know how the trains work. I know how to get from the airport. Malmö, I know nothing. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know anything. I should probably start looking at Malmö as well, but I, it just doesn't come to my mind. In, in my head, I'm going to Copenhagen.
1: You might cancel your trip if you look at Malmö before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, uh,
1: I think this benefits Copenhagen a lot. And like maybe riley with breaking my heart is also partly a winner of don't
0: your... say that don't no don't
1: do that. <laughs> don't that. yes yeah, speaking of don't uh, what do and what don't we want to see next year in malmo we had a discussion about that and you actually made a list of the things we mentioned
0: right of course that's my apparent german dna coming out yeah so uh we'll start with an easy one uh the voting system What do we want to see happen with that in 2024? We did an episode on this, but just in a a nutshell.
1: I want to keep the juries, and I want the juries back in the semis. And I want better juries and a more diverse field of juries, you know? Not just pop singers, maybe a pop singer, and then someone from the rock scene, someone from the rap scene, someone from the opera scene, make it diverse. You yeah,
0: you don't you don't get. I, yeah, I think you don't get rid of the juries. You you fix the juries, okay. um, and and that's all we'll say there because we we already you know spent yeah. enough breath on that. The second big issue we we kind of thought about were those pre-recorded backing vocals. Now, interestingly, um, for those of you like us that don't watch Junior Eurovision. I can tell you that in Nice in November, they're going to ditch the pre-recorded backing vocals that came in just after COVID. Um, and just, I mean, I only mention that because Junior Eurovision is often like a, a test for the yeah. actual show the following year. Uh, we've seen some changes in the past come that way. So the fact that they're getting rid of them, maybe they're preparing the the real Eurovision, the adult Eurovision for the same thing in Malmo. So what do you think about those, Sebi?
1: I really hope that's the case because, I mean, the pre-recorded backing vocals made sense for 2021. Of course, you don't want, you know, you want as little people as possible traveling during a pandemic and even 2022, but this year it already felt unnecessary. And I mean, I don't want to say cheating, but it sort of feels like that already. I mean, look at Cyprus this year, like all the high notes were basically pre-recorded and like, I was like, is anyone even singing life in this entry? And like, you know, if vocals are being judged by professional jurors, then it should be life. You know, that's my point of view.
0: Yeah, it's it's for for me, it's a tough call. Um, I I know all the decisions that the reference group comes up with is to make the show more entertaining, more enjoyable for people to watch. And one way that they've been able to do that is to allow the pre-recorded vocals. Um, plus, smaller delegations, smaller countries can't necessarily afford to send more people to the contest because that's very expensive. So allowing that helps them as well. So I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn like the voting. I'd, I'd like to see a system that levels the playing field where, you, like you said, you, you, you have an artist that has flawless vocals and can do it all themselves. You wouldn't want to see them doing spectacularly better than someone that shows up with... You know, almost nothing live and everything pre-recorded. But uh, if there was some way to help some of those smaller delegations too, it w- would be nice. So I'm I'm kind of on the fence, and whatever they choose, I don't think I'll be upset with. Yeah. Our third wish was the return of perhaps certain countries. So fill in the blank, whatever countries you'd like to see, return.
1: I mean, I always said Luxembourg, and I still can't believe that this is happening um i mean andorra of course we talked to suzanne like they're like she's such a fighter for this country and i think they really could make a strong comeback uh monaco is they ruled it out for next year um russia belarus is all that is not happening i can't see turkey happening anytime soon i don't know i would go for andorra probably
0: yeah, and the Balkans, too. It looks like North Macedonia is set to come back. Yeah, yeah. Montenegro, if they can get their, their shit together, I guess, will we'll come back. Uh, other than that, I don't see Bulgaria coming back this year. It uh, doesn't look likely. And their they're really strange, controversial social media has ruled that out as well, although that could change really quickly. Let's with, not talk uh, about them. <laughs> you no, know, that, that could change really quickly with some provocation online. Yeah. So I don't I don't think we'll hit 44 this year which is the cap they put a few years ago on the contest. Um but it would be nice to have 40 or more. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Next one would be the press center which was uh interesting for us because you and I both went in Torino for the first time and got yeah. accreditation so we kind of saw the 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 way things are going press center and not the way things used to be. Press Center, where they seem to be, um, I guess, restricting the number of people, limiting the size of the Press Center, and and this year limiting access to the artists as well, not having as many um, meet and greets and not having as many press conferences with opportunities to ask the artists questions i'm sure it's a cost-saving measure having a smaller press center and less services of course saves money which is good for the broadcaster and having the artists i guess available less uh also i guess stresses them out less and is better overall for the delegations less stuff on their schedules but uh how does that look for them for the fan media i'm not sure
1: i mean i do i am optimistic just because you know it's sweden i know that svt is very very caring when it gets to fan media as well to accreditation um and you know we were in torino it was still you know COVID was still relevant first of all and also um it was organized by italians so i do think it will be more professional next year i die
0: am a basta
1: but yeah, I think it will also be, a lot will happen online and it will be probably less, you know, physical uh, contact between fan media and artists. But I also think that it might be better organized.
0: Yeah, it would be nice to see the old way, the old completely open. You know, the, I think, I guess in Tel Aviv was the last time they had that experience, Um but, yeah, I, I I get it, you know, I'd rather have a better show on stage, I think, than a giant, massive press center. Their, their money could be spent better elsewhere. As long as we can get in, as long as we can meet, you know, meet everyone once and, and, and say ciao to them, it will be great. The next one, I don't think we're going to have any disagreement on. We saw um, <clears throat> some <clears throat> uh, rigging, I guess you could say, of national finals in 2023. And in previous years as well. But of course, there was one huge one in Poland that really sticks out. Um, Do you think the broadcasters have learned their lesson or are we going to see this again this year?
1: I'm afraid we will. But, like, I really don't get it. Like, it's no fun for anyone. It was uh, no fun for Blanca because, you know, she was torn apart by fans and by the public media. It was no fun for tvp it was no fun for the other contestants it was no fun for polish eurovision fans and it just sucks you know if you want a song and a performer just select them internally that's the solution
0: <laughs> definitely um yeah there's not there's nothing much to say here we can mention a few other examples of of potential rigging but i mean nothing was as obvious as what happened in poland and the outrage which I think still continues you still see it pop up on on social media every now and then about Babya and blanca and everything so I, I guess we'll just leave it there I hope I hope that uh, we can have some cleaner national finals this year uh almost done look at the running order so this is something that has changed over the years once upon a time there was a draw to mm-hmm. choose the running order for the semifinal and the final But of course, and I think this was a Swedish thing in 2013. I think Malmö was the first time that the broadcasters got to determine the running order themselves to try and make a better show. So you didn't end up with, I don't know, five dance songs in a row, followed by ten ballads. You know, try and space them out. Make each, I think Krista Bjorkman said, make each uh, entry shine. So if you have one song that's like very red on stage, you wouldn't want another red one next to it.
1: But that's exactly my problem with the system. Like, I actually, like, I know many fans want the drawback, and I actually like that producers are selecting it because it makes for a better show. But you can really tell how obvious they're making some of the, you know, spots in the running order. Uh, I mean, look at Portugal this year. I think it was ninth uh, in the semifinal, and then they got spot two in the final. And everyone knew, yeah, it was out of the running, basically. Like, it had no chance to do particularly well whatsoever. And
0: and then the opposite, too. Putting Kari at 13th, as late as they could put him, having pulled first half.
1: Yeah, I know. And it's so obvious. And it happens almost every year. And I would just like producers to take risks. I don't think that Lorraine would have done any worse in spot one or two or three. Like, imagine Lorraine being the second winner and then breaking the curse of spot number two. That would have been amazing, yeah. Yeah. Because the juries don't care about running order whatsoever, and ultimately the juries gave her the
0: victory. True. Um, Yeah, I I like the producers doing it because I'm afraid, like... um... I don't, I don't know how 2011 came about, but I mean, it was Jedward and it was Kathy Wolf and it was Eric Sada, I think, all together. And, yeah. you know, and although then in Torino last year, too, I, they had a lot of ballads put together in the middle. So there's, yeah. I, I know there's constraints, but, uh, and stuff happens, but I think overall it is better. But like you said, they do need to kind of change the formula a bit. Yes, make every song. Um, l- have its moment and and don't put similar songs together but don't look at the favorites either just just make a good tv show
1: yeah maybe if someone was you know just barely a qualifier in this i mean maybe put them in a better spot instead of a worse one i think imagine would be the results imagine. Would be more interesting yeah
0: well. and speaking of interesting something we're definitely going to disagree with is the use of dance breaks at eurovision <laughs> do you want to see more or less of those sebi Well, I definitely
1: want to see less in 2024. Uh, In general, I don't mind dance breaks if they're, you know, if they fit with the performance. But like, I mean, it's more in a way of trends in general. We've had this so many times that, you know, when there were something was popular, like the Common Linets did great in 2014. And then the next year we had like 15 uh, male-female duets. So I was like, eh. And maybe, I don't know what could be the trend next year, maybe like in putting in a box like Lorien did or like long fingernails, I don't know, something like that. But yeah, just do your own thing. That's what's going to get you the good results. Look at Iceland 2016, who just copied like Mons' shadow show and didn't even qualify. It doesn't work in the long run.
0: Yeah, I think if uh, 10 acts have long fingernails next year, it'll be a bit obvious uh i don't mind them uh within reason i think israel's this year was a bit long and was a bit unnecessary because you you lost literally a minute of the song to it um and dancing and gen- like you know you can have a dance routine but this stopping the song for you know up, upwards of a minute is a, is a bit much and yeah, i know yeah. the ebu can't do anything and it's up to the artists to decide <laughs> so this is more of a plea to the artists and not to the ebu to to do anything but just you know keep it if you're gonna do a dance break keep it you know no more than 15 20 seconds please and please not every country send a dance break
1: i liked how fuego did it in 2018 because it fit well with the song it wasn't interrupting the song as he said and it was yeah it just fit but like israel this year was just designed for a dance break you could already tell when just the studio version was released there was gonna have a dance break yeah
0: Yeah. fine building bridges on instagram facebook tiktok and youtube so while we're on the topic of Malmo hosting, uh, our colleagues over at ESC Insight, uh, specifically Ben Robertson, recently published an article called Seven Things or Seven Ideas, Sorry That Eurovision Should Steal From Melody Festivalen." And I bring this up obviously just because Sweden is hosting, and every t- well not every time, but the last few times they've hosted, it seems like they've left a lasting impression on Eurovision. Most notably, I guess, in Stockholm what oh my god seven years ago wow uh when they hosted and they they brought some melody festival and style voting and split the jury vote and the televote to make the show more interesting to watch so ben listed of course seven ways that he thought um i'll just quickly mention some of them like making the app more user-friendly and voting friendly Uh, Bring in TikTok as the sponsor to save an act from the list of non-qualifiers, making the press experience more like Melfest. So, Sebi kind of like you said, the Swedes do this really well. Um, Starting the show an hour earlier to make it more inclusive for younger fans, even using the house dancers that they have at Melfest to try and help some of the, I guess, smaller delegations that might struggle to afford to bring dancers with them and cut costs for them. So, why is that relevant? Well, like I said, it's interesting because Sweden might do something and might take inspiration from their national final, Melody Festival, but he left his article kind of hanging and asked people to, uh, I guess, submit their eighth way that Melfest could impact or or something that, that SVT could steal from Melfest for Eurovision. So, have you thought of any, Sebi? Um, I was just thinking like
1: in our discussion now, maybe instead of dancers, they could also, you know, provide backing singers. You know, as you said, if a country can't afford them. Yeah. Uh, that was actually very common back in the day, like uh, when we saw the live orchestra. I think in the 90s, all the new form countries, you know, like uh, all the former Soviet countries and also Poland and Hungary and all those who just recently joined, they all had Irish singers because Ireland was hosting it all the time. <laughs> so yeah, I think that would be maybe you know, ditch the pre-recorded vocals and then provide Swedish backing singers if the country can't afford their own.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. E- cost cutting measures uh, makes the contest more sustainable, less people on planes. I mean, you would think yeah. that would be a good idea. Yeah, uh, mine is a bit more controversial. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to go full in on the voting system. Uh, And I think people who are complaining about Kadia losing might see some merit in this, maybe. So imagine uh, in Liverpool, and Liverpool only, because it wouldn't apply necessarily to other years. But imagine in Liverpool that um, we didn't have all those interval acts. And after the UK sang, maybe they would have had a little VT something or other. And we come back and we go right to the jury voting. Yeah. And we see all the jury votes first, and then people can keep voting. So imagine a scenario where people saw Karia way down in, what was it, fifth or sixth or, place, but like over well over 150 points behind. Yeah. Maybe the voting would have changed. I don't know if he could have caught up or if he would have won, but certainly maybe the the numbers would have been different. Maybe he would have narrowed his gap a bit, and less people might have voted for Lorraine saying, oh, yeah, she's already won. And even more people would have thrown their votes behind Caria in countries where he didn't, well, the few countries where he didn't get the 12. Or Lorraine's 10s would have become 8s or 7s. You know, things could have happened. So I think that might be a way to kind of give more power to the fans, uh, especially the ones that are saying, scrap the juries. Or maybe if they knew the jury results, they would vote differently and we could still keep the juries so they could have their say, but the fans might have more of a last say.
1: Yeah, I think this would also benefit, you know, uh, Act who did really poorly with the juries. Like, I thought Germany being last was a huge injustice this year. And oh, had we're, I so, this, we're still not over that. Yeah, I would have probably given all my votes
0: to Germany at that point, you know. I know. And I even said to class when we interviewed him, because he, he joked about Germany coming last again this year. I said, no, there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> and oh my God. Yeah. How did, I? I don't. I, I'm not over it. But also, I like, you know, when we watch the
1: recap of a semi or a final, I like that it has this neutrality, you know, this is the last time when, you know, all the acts are like equal, you know, they're just performers with the number. And, you know, then they always get those green room shots during the recap. And like, imagine if someone is like last with zero points right now at the moment throughout the jury voting, and they <laughs> zoom in on them. And then I would feel really, you know, James Newman in 2021 yeah back. but
0: they i mean they wouldn't necessarily because they they do that in the beginning i think but they do do summaries at some points without the live shots the in the room so yeah. <laughs> yeah so if if they did it that way and showed the jury results and people could keep voting they probably wouldn't zoom in on people or i would hope <laughs> hopefully
1: yeah <laughs> well yeah i think that's worth a thought maybe yeah and many yeah, networks no i do
0: that it's... Yeah, you never know. I think I think SVT will come up with something. I feel like they, they're kind back. of pressured to do so. Yeah. And it's Sweden and they love the contest and they want to make it better, so there's gonna be ideas floating around. Of mm-hmm. course the big one in Liverpool never came to pass when they when they tried it, where they were gonna bring all the countries up on stage and do kind of like an X Factor style yeah. elimination for the mm-hmm. semis um that got cut but you never know they will i'm sure they'll play around with it and we likely won't know until may when rehearsals start what they're going to do
1: yeah i think it's going to be good at the end because i think sweden really understood eurovision and they're really like i think the most passionate country when it comes to eurovision
0: so that's why i'm throwing my time and my money at this um (laughs) uh Sweden for you uh, is Italy for me, and that's why I really wanted to go to Torino because I love Italy, and yeah. I kind of wanted to see how Italians would handle hosting Eurovision, especially for the first time in thirty plus years. Mm. And I enjoyed it. I know people made fun of Torino for the organization and everything, but like I think if you know Italians, it all kind of made sense. So i <laughs> i didn't I didn't have that shock factor that some other people had that had been to Stockholm and that had been to Tel Aviv and all these other places where things went. I guess more smoothly. I, I kind of expected it to go that way, I guess, going in. Yeah. But I'm going this year because, you know, you think Sweden, you think Eurovision. And I know they're going to take care of the contest. And I know they're going to do a really, really, really good job. And I want to see that as well. Um, and maybe make some comparisons to Torino. But uh, we'll see. That, that could be an episode next summer. The differences yeah, like between so Italy and Sweden. 75,
1: maybe, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Well, until then, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, I think as always, fun. and yeah, I think we're really excited for Malmo already. Uh, despite you know we would have preferred other
0: cities, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I want to start a countdown, but I, it's still too early because I think if I start a countdown, I'll, I'll be depressed at how how far strange. away it is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well. We will definitely be with you throughout all the year, throughout Eurovision season and uh, follow us on Instagram. We're building on the land bridges Underline podcast there. Leave a review on Spotify, leave a comment on Spotify. And uh, well, that's it for this week. Thank you so yep. much. Have Bye-bye. a great
0: day. Bye-bye.